Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. I thought it was kind of hilarious. The one girl was like, my favorite Father's Day memory was whenever we'd ride bikes and when my dad would throw me around. Like, my... What? <laughs> my dad never threw me around. That's kind of scary. <laughs> but how are you all doing today? My name is Aaron Ashton. Um, I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Encounter. I'm so, so grateful to see every one of your lovely smiling faces today on this nice and toasty Pittsburgh day. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to share with you today what God has placed upon my heart for you. And uh, I haven't been here for a couple weeks, so I'm, I'm extra excited because uh, I was just hanging out in in the, the slums of Africa for the past couple of weeks. So I'm excited to be back in Pittsburgh with you guys because this is always going to be home to me, the near and dear to my heart, no matter how far I go. Um, but yeah, I was thinking uh, the other day, I was, I was on Facebook kind of catching up from everything that was happening for the past couple of weeks, and one of the things that I noticed was I saw... I saw this little picture, it happened to be my favorite movie in the world, and it said, I think it was like 22 years ago today was whenever The Lion King first came out. And I was like, oh yeah, that's amazing. I didn't realize it was that long, but then I felt a little bit old for a minute because uh, I grew up watching that movie. But I have such a good connection with that movie, I don't really know why, but ever since I was a little kid, I would watch that probably once a day, sometimes twice if I was feeling lucky, and if my mom wasn't home. <laughs> but um, yeah, I absolutely love that movie, and I think what happened throughout my life because of it was because, I don't know if you know the, the song Hakuna Matata, but it goes a little bit like this. Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata. No, that's all right. I'll stop there. <laughs> Basically, the idea of Hakuna Matata is this. It's a, uh, it's, it, it's a phrase that means um, that there's no worries for the rest of your days, all right? So as I was growing up, I have always been kind of a carefree spirit. I've always been more of a chill person. And when things happen in my life, um, typically the motto is Hakuna Matata. Like if something happens to me, I'm just like, you know what? It's all good. God's got my back. Uh, it'll be all right. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be great. So, um, yeah, it was really good to see that that movie just came out. Like, I love it. So that's kind of how my, that's how my mindset has always been just growing up. But I've learned that no matter how fantastic things are in your life, no matter how hard you might try to think it means no worries for the rest of your days, there's always going to be something that happens in your life that's going to throw you off a little bit. Um, whether it be something as simple as you're riding your bike and you get a flat tire. It's like, oh man, I got to fix that. Um, there's been times in my life as, as a landscaping person, I'm out there doing my thing, trying to make some money, provide for myself and my family. And then my mower just doesn't work. And it's like, oh man, like, what am I going to do about this? Because you got to fix it. And then that takes away time, which time is money as we all know. And so things like that'll happen. Um, or maybe like your friend, something happens with your friend, they end up in the hospital or something like that. It's like there's always something that's going to take place in your life that is going to throw some things off of it. That's just the world we live in, right? So um, it reminds me of just how my walk with Christ is too. You know, sometimes I can be doing things like so well, like I can be pursuing Jesus, you know, I can be um, 
uh, just just spending time with him every day, going to church on Sundays, you know, doing the thing that you do, right? And um, doesn't really matter how much you do that. Again, there's going to be things that pop up. Again, there's going to be things that will happen in your spiritual life that may distract you from it, things that frustrate you. Um, like you can be pursuing Jesus, then all of a sudden something slaps you right across the face. And it's like a lot of times uh, your past will pop up. Like sometimes the, the, the other day um, I was just, you know, having some time with Jesus. I was spending time with him. And then like out of nowhere, I just had this thought. It's like um, it's just the devil lying to me saying, you're not you're not really good enough to do this. Like you're not you're not at the level that God is and you're not worthy to be speaking to him right now. And just things like that will happen. And, and it's like you go from the spiritual high to just a low and just like that. And it's like you feel you feel like this condemnation inside of you. And it's like this this awful feeling like I'm not good enough. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to with you guys, uh, talk about with you guys today. And there's a story that, that I had in mind that I would love to share with you. And it is in the book of John in the Bible. So if you do have your Bibles with you, or if you have a phone or anything you can do to look up the scripture, um, it's in John 8. It's a very brief story. It's uh, John 8, verses uh, 1 to 11. And it's about it's about a woman. And to give you some background here, what's happening is Jesus is, um, he's in, in, in the temple right now, and he's, he's just kind of teaching. Everywhere Jesus went, everyone knew who he was at this time, so regardless of what he was doing, there would just be a crowd around him. They'd be like, oh, hey, there's Jesus. Um, I actually got a little bit of a taste of this when I was in Africa, because um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh not typically in, in African cities are there a big group of a bunch of white people. <laughs> but it's funny because you're walking around doing the street ministry and things like that. And then whether it's in your bus or whether you're on the street, everyone would just be like, oh, hey, look, it's a bunch of Mazungus because that's what they call white people. So throughout the week, we would just call each other that, be like, what's up, Mazungu? How you doing? <laughs> uh, my friend actually bought a T-shirt that said Mazungu on it just to remember it. <laughs> I saw another one that said, my name is not Mazungu. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> so getting used to be called, or I was getting used to uh, the name Mazungu throughout the week. But so yeah, I felt a little bit of what Jesus felt almost because whenever, everywhere I went, there would just be like this little group and I'd like turn around and be like, oh, there's a group of Africans just following me. What's up guys? <laughs> so this is, this is kind of how it was for him. So Jesus is preaching in, in a synagogue and then everyone's just gathering around him together because they're eager to hear what he has to say. Like, doesn't matter really what he's saying. They just want to hear it. Um, so this is what's going on right now. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's just preaching and teaching. And then these religious leaders, um, they, they take this woman and they just come right into this, this place where he, where he is talking and, and speaking with these people. And they, they're, they're grabbing this woman and they have her and she's probably not wearing any clothing because what's happening is she is caught in the middle of adultery. So, um, she is married to a man Either that or the man that she's with is married to someone, and she's with this guy. So they, they grab her, drag her out into the middle of the street in the public place in front of everybody. Not only just people, but d- Jesus, like the Savior of the world, like the, the Son of God. They bring her before Jesus and these people, and they throw her down. And, and just condemning this woman, like, like just making sure everybody knew what, what just happened. So she's sitting here just completely helpless. And that's where the story picks up here. 
Um, so they tell her, or the 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 Pharisees ask Jesus um, and tell him what's happening, and they say this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery, and in the law of Moses commands us that we need to stone her. So then they say to Jesus, "What do you say?" Because what they wanted to do is they were trying to kill Jesus. They were really jealous and and angry with what who Jesus was because he just came into the scene and he's sharing the gospel. He's sharing the love of Jesus with people. But these religious leaders, it's ruining everything for them because because people are understanding like Jesus is actually the way. It's not all about the law and it's not all about these religious rituals and things that happen. So they they hate Jesus. They want to kill Jesus. So they they bring this woman in and say, well, "What do you say we should do to this woman?" Because they want to trap her and tell. Uh, tell or make it so that Jesus says the wrong thing so that they can accuse him. So this is what's happening, and, and, and I love this. This is such a beautiful story of who Jesus is. He's like, he's not very, <laughs> he's not even that religious whenever you, whenever you look at it because the religious leaders, they're all dressed proper. They're all following the book of the law, and, and Jesus just kind of like is looking at them, I feel like. I, I just picture it in my mind, this woman sitting on the ground, and they say, what do you say, Jesus? And Jesus just kind of, I mean, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of bends down, just casually starts writing in the dirt a little bit, just like this. And and they're all just standing there looking at him like, what what is he doing? Like, I'm I'm imagining they're all just sitting there like whispering like, like, did he not? Did he not hear what? Did he not hear me? Or what, what's going on here? And Jesus is just writing on the ground, just doing his thing. So then they're getting kind of angry. They're like, "Come on, like Jesus, did you not hear us? This woman committed adultery. We're supposed to stone her." And Jesus is just chilling there again, you know. But I think after a while, they probably yelled at him a few more times. So he was like, "All right, I should probably stand up now." And uh, so he stands up real casually, and he says this. He says. Of all of you who has not sinned, you can go ahead and throw the first stone. So these people with this giant stones, like if you're going to stone someone, you're going to try to kill them, right? So they have stones probably about this big in their hands, ready, just like a big mob, just like ready to throw these stones at this woman. And Jesus just says, whichever of you has never sinned, go ahead. You can do it first. So then the Bible tells us that, that after he says that, everyone's just looking at them. And and there's a group around them, and and whenever they heard him say this, like they just probably looked at their stone, looked at her, looked at each other maybe, and and you could just hear this sound, just like that all around, just one by one. And it says from the oldest to the youngest, they just dropped their stone, and then they began to walk away. And after Jesus said that, he just got right back on the ground, started writing again. And I wonder what he was writing. I mean, it's been said, the Bible doesn't tell us what he said. It doesn't tell us what he was writing, but um, I've heard whether it's friends of mine or different different preachers, they wonder maybe he was writing the names of the different mistresses of those Pharisees. Maybe he was writing down the sins that they've committed, and it's almost as if they were looking at what he was writing and they saw saw like some name on there of a woman that they were with, and they were probably just like, oh, nope, not me. Drop their stone and walk away. It's like, yeah, no thank you. And I don't know what he was writing, but but it was just a beautiful moment of Jesus just standing up for this woman. He was standing there uh, telling them, you know, I know that you guys are trying to condemn this woman, but you have no right to do that because you have done the same, if not worse. And, and so they just dropped their stones one by one. And 
Eventually, it's just Jesus and this woman. So there's this woman who, who's probably terrified just sitting next to Jesus. Um, again, she probably doesn't really have a whole lot on because she was just caught literally in the middle of, of adultery. So she's sitting there ashamed, just afraid, and standing before the Son of God. I, I mean, I could only imagine she's probably really scared because she knows who he is. She knows Jesus. She knows that Jesus has the power to, um, to heal, the power to cast out demons, the power to, to um, forgive people of their sins. This amazing man that she's heard all about, and she's sitting there before him embarrassed, just completely, uh, completely open to him. Like, she, she can't do anything. But then Jesus looks at her. And he says, to the, he, he says this. He says, woman, where are they? He says, has no one condemned you? And then she looks up at him and says, no one, Lord, she answered. And then Jesus says this, neither do I condemn you. So go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. And that's it. That's the story right there. So, ah, I love that, man. I mean, Jesus, he's just, he's changing the game he, this woman's probably expecting to get maybe a lecture, maybe, maybe Jesus to, to tell her everything she's done wrong, but yet all he does is, is first of all, he stands up for her, and then, and then he tells her, I don't condemn you. I mean, I know exactly what just happened. I know what you did, but I don't condemn you for it. He, he tells her, basically he's forgiving her sins right then and there, and telling her, just go ahead and don't sin anymore. <sighs> so, couple of things that I felt like we could learn from this story, what we could learn from how Jesus responds in this moment, is number one, that Jesus, he stands up for us. So he knew, I feel like, as I was reading this this passage, it kind of hit me that Jesus, he forgave her sins because he probably saw her. He probably looked at this woman and said, I'm about to take away this woman's sins. I'm about to go and die for this girl. I'm about to go... And, and and take away everything that she's done on the cross. Almost like he was just standing there like this for her, you know, with his arms stretched wide, his loving arms. And and he knew that this woman was going to be set free of all of this. He knew that, that she was going to be forgiven through his power. And just probably a few weeks later, I'm not sure exactly where it falls in the timeline, but but I know that soon after this is whenever Jesus sacrificed himself for her specifically and for us. So Jesus, he stands up for her and, and, and he's he's almost like standing there protecting her because these people, he knows they're, they're angry. He knows that they're bitter. He knows that they have their issues and that they just want to kill this woman. But but he's standing there for her, protecting her. He's fighting for her. He's He's speaking for her because she really has no voice at this moment. And I think that's amazing that Whenever, whenever we're dealing with these things, whenever we're dealing with condemnation, whether it be from the world, whether it be from, from the workplace we're in, from our family, uh, regardless of who it is, Jesus is constantly standing up for you. He, he knows the things you're dealing with. He knows what you're facing, and he's always going to be there, standing there, fighting for you, and he's going to continue to tell you, you are not condemned. It doesn't matter what this person is telling you you are. You are not, you are not a liar. You are not a sinner. You are not... Uh, you are not helpless, you are not broken, you're not empty because of me, because of what I've done for you. So he is constantly standing up for us. And then also, what I've what I noticed is that Jesus will never condemn us. So I feel like this is a hard thing to wrap my mind around, because if you think about 
who Jesus is. You think about who God is. See, he is, he is the Savior of the world, right? He is the one who created us. He is the one who is perfect. He lived a life on earth without sinning one time. But whenever I think about what I have done, when I feel like I look back on the, the mistakes that I've made, I feel like I'm so unworthy for his love. I'm so unworthy to receive what he's given to me. Um, whenever I was whenever I was on my trip, there was this one morning that I was just, you know, praying and seeking God and just kind of prepping myself for the day. And and I was just worshiping a little bit. I was reading the Bible and I just couldn't shake this thought. Um, I just continued to think of like past things that I've dealt with, past struggles that I've had. And I know that I've been forgiven of them, but it was just constant, like, in my mind. Like, I feel like I kind of let the devil take a hold of me a little bit because I know that Jesus isn't the one telling me, hey, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong. Just by this story right here, Jesus doesn't condemn us. It says that in, 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 this, in this story. And so I just kind of let it happen. It was frustrating to me because um, I was there trying to do God's work. I was there telling people about his love and, and just praying for and, and believing for miracles in people's lives. And, and I'm sitting here thinking this, like, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not even worthy of the love of Jesus. And I continued to think that. But it was hard for me because, yes, we've all done things that we shouldn't have. But whenever we think about what God has done for us, He's forgiven us of it, and it's and, and you don't ever have to think about it anymore. So even though I felt like I was unworthy, this is what I did. I was struggling throughout the day, but I just continued to press through it. I continued to tell myself who God was in my life. I continued to tell myself that he has made me worthy. And instead of thinking to myself that I am unworthy to do this, that I am not qualified to go and preach to the nations for Jesus— I thought to myself, instead of thinking about what I am capable of, let me think about what God has done in me. So I began just to thank him. I said, thank you, God, that you have made me worthy to do this. Thank you that you have considered me worthy to, to share your love with others. Just continue to thank him and, and, and just uh, glorify him and praise him and, and, and just be grateful for what he's done through me. Because, no, I am not worthy on my own. But because of what Jesus has done, he has made me worthy. He has made me strong enough. He has made me um, powerful enough. He has given me authority to preach his word to people. He has given me power to, to live my life for him. So just reminds me that Jesus, he will never condemn us. He is always there supporting us. He is encouraging us. So if, if there's ever a time for you today that you feel like you're not worthy or that you feel like you don't have what it takes. Know that Jesus is not the one telling you that. Jesus is the one in the background cheering you on like like a father just saying, You got this, man. I have already taken care of everything that, that you struggle with. I've already taken care of the, the sins that you face. And you, you can handle it because I have made you worthy of it. Um, so continue to remember that. And then uh, Jesus... He has given us new life. So, this woman, um, she was being condemned by these people, and, and, and Jesus know or Jesus knew that, that the world would always 
bring this to the table for her. He knew that the world would always be condemning of her. And um, just as she was sitting there, I feel like she was probably just so broken. She was probably hurt. She probably felt betrayed and, and, and just hopeless. But uh, Jesus gave her right there. He gave her a new life. He, he told her to go because she was not condemned. He told her to go and, and, and sin no more. So it wasn't just Jesus stood up for her and, and told her, you know, like, soothed her feelings. But Jesus actually commanded her of something. He said, no one's condemned you, but don't just continue doing what you do because that's damaging to you. He told her to go and to sin no more. And I was thinking of, the, uh, as I was thinking of this, um, it kind of hit me too. It's like a command for all of us today. Whenever he said go and sin no more, um, so often I feel like we struggle with this idea of, of grace, the grace of God. And yes, God has given us grace, unending, constantly, no matter what we do, what we face. God is always going to renew his grace for us. But there's this struggle between like, if God is always going to forgive me, then who cares what I do? Like, I can just do whatever I want, and then God will forgive me for it, right? And the reality is that if this woman continued to go and just have relationships with other dudes and go and do whatever she wanted, it would be very damaging to her, and she wouldn't have gotten anything out of this. It would have been a cool story, but she would have just gone back to her lifestyle, and it would have been very damaging for her and everyone that she knew. So what Jesus told her was to go and sin no more because I feel like for me at least, whenever I think of this idea, I know that God has forgiven me of things, but whenever he has forgiven me, I know that it is important for me to take something that I've been struggling with, something that I've dealt with, I need to kick it to the curb and I need to turn away and walk the other direction toward Jesus because whenever you do that, the things in our life that are damaging are going to affect us in, in very negative ways. Um, God doesn't just tell us not to sin because it's a bad thing and because he doesn't like it. God tells us not to sin because everything that we do that is sinful is destructive to our life. And whenever we're pursuing Jesus and we have sin in our life and we, we haven't dealt with it, uh, I know 100% just from my experience that it is really difficult for me to pursue him because that thing is just kind of dragging you down. It's like it's like a burden on your back. Like if you're climbing up a mountain and you have this 1,000-pound uh, backpack on your back, like how the heck are you going to get up effectively? But whenever we, whenever we ask him to forgive us, he offers it to us freely. Whenever we ask him for that, he will do it, and it will be gone just like that because he, is, he has already paid the price for it. But whenever we continue to, to shake that off, whenever we continue to pursue him, then that's whenever the, the breakthrough will take place because we can now push past that. We can now live our life uh, to the fullest potential because we're living it for Jesus. We're living it the way that it was intended to be. So we can connect with God more. We can sense his presence more. We can pray to him and we can kind of hear his voice a little bit better in our lives because it's not, we don't have that distraction of the sins that we've been dealing with because whenever we're always doing things like that, it's going to continue to pop up in your mind. But yes, you know that you are forgiven, but there's nothing there to for the enemy to have ammo. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yes, Jesus gives us 
gives us new life. So the question that I have asked, really asked myself and I feel like would apply to all of us here today is this, that how can I live above condemnation? I'm so glad you asked me that today. <laughs> um, but number one, I know that Jesus died for it. So Jesus died for our condemnation. And if you really think about the idea of the cross, it's like it's such a beautiful story. It's such a beautiful concept to me that that the God of the universe, he sent his son. He he was in heaven, so he was in a perfect place. He was in a place that we all strive to be at, right? But he was already there. He already had it. But yet he decided because of his love for us that he would come to this crazy jacked up earth and he would spend 33 years here and then he would die for us. So Jesus, I would say that he he, he showed love in, in probably the most perfect way in, the, in that sense because he was willing to, to sacrifice everything that he had because he wanted us to live free of that condemnation. He wanted us to live free of guilt and shame. And he wanted us to live a life that was uh, in his authority and in his power. And then also, the Bible tells us that we are his child. So what a beautiful thought for Father's Day, right? <laughs> I didn't really do that on purpose, but it happened. Um, so God tells us that he's his child. And and that, that idea to me is beautiful because it tells us that whenever we become a a, a Christian, it's not like we're a part of his like staff in heaven, you know? It's like it gives us a picture of how we have now become heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. So what that means, if you think about the earthly concept of what an heir is, it is your father, whenever um, whenever you, you obviously have your father, uh, whenever he has the inheritance, right, that becomes yours. So if you are a co-heir, you have gained the inheritance of your father. So if you think about this, the Bible says that we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So everything that Jesus has belongs to you now because you have become his child as well. So you have everything that Jesus has access to. And um, in Matthew 16, it talks about this idea. Um, I'll wear this key right here on my neck all the time because it's, it's a beautiful reminder of this scripture that whenever we become a Christian, whenever we be- begin to live for Jesus, the Bible says that um, he gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says that everything that will be bound in heaven will be bound on earth because of, of what we say, because we are now his child. So it's, it's almost like this picture where if you're, if you're a little kid or once you hit maybe 16, your dad gives you like the keys to your home, right? He says, here you go, son or daughter. This is for you. So whenever you come home and I'm not here, you can unlock the door, right? And then everything in the house is yours. So it's this cool picture where um, you're given this key. And if you have this key to your home and you go home, your father's not there, um, you got to get inside, right? Are you going to sit there with this key in your hand and just like kind of wait on the porch and wait for God to come home and open it or wait for your father to come home and open the door for you? I don't think so because you have this key in your hand. So, so what it's saying is that 
we have this key in our hands to access everything that God has for us, to access his forgiveness, to access his love, to access his power, his authority. Everything that Jesus has, it says, belongs to you and to me too, because we are co-heirs with Jesus. So um, what we need to do is take that. We have the key. God has already given it to us. So we have access to what he has. So whenever we pray to him, whenever we uh, ask him for, for things, it says whatever is in his will, it will be given to you. Um, so it's just a beautiful picture of, of you being his child because like, how is, how is a father going to condemn his kid? No matter what a child does, the child is going to be loved. He's going to be seen as perfect in his eyes because he loves that child. And in the same way, no matter what you do, God's hand is always reaching down to you. No matter how far you stumble, no matter how how far you may feel from God or how close, it doesn't matter. His hand is always there ready to take yours, to lift you up. And then finally, um, the last way I felt we could live above condemnation is to remind ourselves of it. So I actually have a, a few scriptures up here that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, and, and these are scriptures that I often speak to myself because, you know, whenever you're dealing with things, whenever you're not sure how God feels about you or where to go, this is God's word. So you can always rest assured that God's word is, is never going to come back void. The scriptures say that, that everything in, this, everything in the Bible is, is something that you can believe in, you can have faith in. And... So the first scripture is in Romans, and it says, I'm just going to read it with you guys today. Um, But it says that, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. So that's awesome. God will never condemn you. You are always going to be loathed by him um, because you are found in him. So you can always remember that anytime you're feeling like, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm I'm not enough to... Uh, to, to carry out the gospel to people. I'm not enough to live my life according to the way Jesus has called me to. You don't have to think that anymore. And then the other one is in John 3. So the scripture, John 3, 16, everybody knows that, right? It's the classic uh, salvation scripture for everybody. But so often people will kind of stop there at the end of John 3, 16. And John 3, 17 is amazing. That's probably my favorite half. So... It says, you know, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. And then it goes on to say this, that for God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So you can, again, remember that God didn't send his son to the world to tell us everything that we've done wrong, everything that we've struggled with or or dealt with in our life, but he came to the world to save you simple as that. That's why he came for you. And then the last scripture is is a reminder of just the the family that we have in God. It's that for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So if you have your little notebook, it would be awesome for you to write these these scriptures down or maybe just jot it down in, in a note on your phone because as you're going through your week and, and just from now on, I mean, you can remember these scriptures. You can remember that God is there for you. He is there loving you, fighting for you. And and you don't have to worry about the things that you've done. You don't have to worry about the things that you face. 
you are always considered worthy in his eyes. So um, I just thought it would be cool just to go ahead and sing a, a quick worship song together, and then I'll close it out in a minute or two. But can I just encourage you today to have a moment with God? So if you want, you can sit if you'd like, but if, if you feel like you would need to stand just to kind of focus in on, on this concept that, that God is loving and that he has never condemned you and never will. If you need to try to focus in, a lot of times I like to just close my eyes to, to just to zone in and think about the words that I'm singing. Um, sometimes I'll lift my hands just to thank him for what he's done as a sign of surrender and, and just telling him, God, I'm, I'm so grateful for who you are in my life. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.